My name is Blake Huffine, and I'm the pastor here at the Movement Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this message inspires you. hope it grows you closer to Jesus Christ. So let's jump right in and receive the message. Right before the pandemic and at the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of people came to me saying, Blake, I feel like there's been a shift in the world. I feel like something in the atmosphere has shifted. Something has changed in the spiritual realm. I heard this a lot from both Christians and non-believers. Atheists said that something just feels off. Something's changed or something is changing. Welcome to the Movement Church. Today we're going to be talking about this shift that we felt in the atmosphere, in the spiritual realm, this shifting that we're feeling now throughout life. This is what we're going to talk about today. Now, if you didn't catch last week's message, we talked about Adam and Eve being naked in the Garden of Eden, and we kind of talked about how God clothes us in a righteousness, in God, how God clothes us in a grace. So if you hadn't caught that message, you might want to jump back and catch that one, and then it'll kind of help back up what we're going to talk about today in this shift that has happened. Now, um, when we talked about Adam and Eve, we talked about how God clothes us in, in a grace and in righteousness and how the clothing that God provided for Adam and Eve was um, kind of like the sin covering that Jesus, the blood of Jesus, became for all Christians. And so when we think about being clothed by God and we think about how Adam and Eve were naked and realized their, their nudity because of the, the exposure their sin became, how they became exposed to their sin and how it was, um, you know, it was open and that God could see their wrongdoing. All that was represented by their nudity. And so when we think about how God clothed us and then God walked us through life and he kind of set this example of modesty and, and, and uh, of sanctifying the body and seeing it as a temple. God says that your body is a temple, that you should take care of it, that you should treat it holy. Um, and to flee immorality. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians uh, 6.18. It says, Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. So here God is saying to take care of your body, to treat it as, as a temple, right? To sanctify it, to let, to let God um, control your body because you have offered it as a living sacrifice for a place for the Holy Spirit to dwell, to create you as a temple for God. And so when we think about modesty and we think about how uh, we live our life clothed by God in both the physical and the spiritual way, um, we look at the way the world is now, the way everything is shifting towards this um, self-centered life where you just uh, live how you want to live, express your body, show what you want to show, let everybody see you. You know, this whole exposure that has happened, it's like an undoing of what happened in the garden after the sin. So a lot of people say, well, Adam and Eve were naked, so we should be able to wear what we want to wear, and we should be able to look how we want to look. But the reality is, is that the nudity ended with Adam and Eve because they became sinful. And so we're sinful. So we're not able to just be exposed out outward like that. And we're supposed to have modesty for reasons like to keep people from stumbling, right, for uh, for not being modest in our apparel, um, but also because of the what it represents, Right. Like you're supposed to preserve your your body, what your body looks like underneath your clothes for your spouse because you two become one. So, 
you know, the exposure kind of goes hand in hand for each other. You open up with your own sins. You open up with your spirituality. All that stuff gets connected. You get united. Uh, the two become one flesh, right? So all that happens. And so this spiritual shift that has happened in the world is that we've kind of transitioned to this I am my own God. This I am, uh, the I am figure that has happened in this new age and stuff. And people have started being their own God, being their own director of their life. And they're kind of pushing our, our God, Lord Jesus Christ. We've pushed him out of the figure, the model, and we've took on our own idol that we've created for ourselves to live how we want to live. Now, Jesus re literally referred to this. He said in the last days that it'll be like Sodom and Gomorrah. In the last days, it'll be just as it was with Noah. And so this is what we've hap this is what's happened. This shift that's happened in the atmosphere has been literally like a spiritual takeover. The devil is trying to influence the minds. He's trying to take over and put this antichrist spirit in as the representation of our Lord Jesus. We have a false Christ that the church serves nowadays. Um, and so why I bring this up in this spiritual shift is because we have to understand the meaning of discipleship. We have to understand what it looks like to be a, a cross follower, what it looks like to be a Christian. So we know how to take on this shift that's happened in the environment. So we know how to how to walk as a Christian. So when we go to Matthew 10 um, and, and start at verse 24, this is what the Bible says. It says, Jesus said, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher and the slave like his master. If they have called me the head of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign the members of his household? So what Jesus is saying here is that, that the disciple is not above his teacher, but the disciple is to become like the teacher. Now, Jesus was referred to as uh, the prince of demons multiple times doing deliverance. Uh, when he was casting demons out of people. And so Jesus is saying, don't be surprised if they try to say that you're a, a mockery or they try to attribute you to the wrong side. Remember that if they accuse Jesus of being like Beelzebub, how much more will they malign the members of the household? We are the members of the household of Christ. Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. When I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light, and what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim it upon the, the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So what Jesus is saying here is that we need to become like him. We are to look like he, he looked. We are to walk the way he walked. We are to live the way he lived. And so in this spiritual shift, we need to get deep in the word of God and deep into what Jesus said. The example that he said, and all throughout Paul, Paul's letters where he talks about the way to live a Christian life, how to put on the full armor of God, all these things. We, are, we need to dive into this to make it through this spiritual shift. Because Jesus said, when you start seeing these things to unfold, when you start seeing the world become like this, then you know that your redemption draws near. Lift up your heads for redemption draws near. Now, Blake, they've been saying that for years, that Christ is coming back. And he is. He is. It's no different. If they were that urgent then to say that Christ is returning, how much more now? 
It even says that people will be mocking about it, saying, where is the Christ? And that is happening today. They're saying, where is your Jesus at? It's been 2,000 years. Jesus is on the way. The second coming of Christ awaits us. The redemption draws near. The world has become just as it was with Sodom and Gomorrah. You cannot argue that. It has become just like that. But the fact of the matter is we got to press on and we got to take up our, our armor of God. We got to take up our cross and we got to live as Christ commanded us to live. We got to walk the way he walked. What he commanded his disciples to do, we need to be doing as well. There's, there's nowhere in Scripture where it says this is just for the, the first disciples. There's nowhere in Scripture that it says the gifts have ceased. The gifts are still today. The callings are still today. All the things that Christ commanded his disciples to do are still happening today. We don't have time to make excuses for our, our laziness in our Christianity. We don't have time for no more gummy bear, church warming, pew warming, seat warming Christianity. It's got to go. We got to step up to the plate and we got to be what Christ has called us to be. We don't want to be on the other side saying, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these things? Did we not believe in you? Did we not show up every Sunday morning and hearing to depart from me for I never knew you? I'm not saying this out of fear. Yes, fear of the Lord, but I'm not saying this out of fear. I'm saying this out of love. That what is keeping you from owning up the full calling that God has for you? And now, when I speak of the things of the people being like Sodom and Gomorrah, the world being like Sodom and Gomorrah, I am not judging them. And if you, listen, if you are a, you know, a homosexual, a part of the LGBTQ community, whatever it is, if you're watching that, we love you. We honestly do. We, we love you. But in love, just as a father or a mother loves their child, they, leave, they lead them in the way of truth. They lead them in the way, uh, just as if one of them was about to step off, step off something dangerous, about to walk into the road without, you know, a crosswalk or anything, you know, all those things, dangerous situations, a parent guides their child out of love, even if it's something that they want to do that is not correct. And that's how we are with you. In no way are we judging you. We're not judging you, but we're sharing the truth with you, that there has to be repentance, that there is a way that God has ordained things to be. And it's only through that that we can be saved, that we can have salvation. And look, I know it's hard to understand. There's many other sins that I come from that was really hard for me to accept were wrong. But whenever I got the revelation of Christ and who he is and the love and the Holy Spirit and all those things, it, it, it like opened my eyes to a truth that I didn't realize existed. And so out of love, we express this and we, we just pray that God would help you lead to repentance and understanding and revelation of the love of God, the hope of God, and not some false hope that the world has created. So this shift that's happened in the atmosphere, this shift that's happened in the spiritual realm, it is an antichrist spirit that is leading the world the opposite way. This shift has got to be countered with obedience to the word of God and to the presence of the Holy Ghost, and to walking in the calling that God has on your life. If you are breathing, if you can see out of your eyes, God can use you, and God wants to use you. But you must repent of your sins. You must turn away from your wicked ways. Read the Scriptures and understand that Christ doesn't call us just to repent every time. He calls us to absolutely lay our life down on an altar as the living sacrifice and follow Him. And you might be thinking, well, Blake, that just sounds so extreme. That sounds so extreme. That's what the brothers of Jesus told him. They said, you got to stop all this, this 
cannibalism talk you're doing where people have to drink your blood and eat your flesh. They couldn't see it. They couldn't understand. And they want him to call all this off and do the miracles. But Jesus was saying he was preaching a hard message. The disciples preached a hard message. You have to lay down your life on the altar. Give up your body as a living sacrifice, whether you don't have anything. You've got hands, you've got a mouth, you've got eyes, you've got ears, and you've got feet. You can serve the Lord with just that, with just what you have. The shift in the atmosphere, the shift in the spiritual realm has to be countered with obedience to the Word of God. It's only through that that we're going to experience salvation, that we're going to experience the promised land. All those things are going to come through obedience to God. And you don't truly understand the greatness that your life could be until you surrender. And it, it sounds so rough, don't it, to surrender to God. It just sounds like you're losing when you say surrender. When someone tells you you need to surrender to God, it just, it, it, for some reason, your flesh just feels like it's losing. But you are winning. You are winning when you surrender to God. All those things that you think you need, you don't. All those things you've placed in front of God all your life, you don't need them. You're better off without them. And so through repentance, you will learn that. Be willing to lay down your life. Be willing to leave your sin behind and turn to the Father. Christ wants to forgive you. He already loves you. But as soon as you repent, He's ready to forgive you. And I don't know if you know this. But the Bible says that there is more rejoicing in heaven over one unrighteous person who repents than a thousand righteous people who repent. When a, when a Christian messes up and they pray for forgiveness, there's more rejoicing over someone who has never repented, someone who is considered wicked and, and unknown and all that. When one of those people repents of their sins, there's more rejoicing in heaven than there is for someone who's already following Christ. He leaves the 99 for the one. Are you the one? I was the one at one point. Will you turn from your sin? Will you place all your faith in Christ? And maybe you already have. Maybe you already are a believer. But you've still noticed this shift in the atmosphere. Have you let the Holy Spirit speak to you? Have you let the Holy Spirit open up your eyes to areas in your life that you may still have hidden sin? The fact of the matter is, is that when you're a Christian, you actually never really stop getting rid of sin. You just continuously get sanctified. You continuously walk and get closer to God. So have you done that? Have you prayed and said, God, reveal to me what there is in my life that I may be putting before you. Reveal to me areas in life that may be causing me to stumble or may be keeping me from knowing you more. Reveal to me areas in my life that I could remove so I could minister to others and show others the light and be the light. Maybe it's simply just praying a prayer for God to use you every day. Have you done that? I want to lead you through this change, this shift in the atmosphere. Let's close with a prayer. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your willingness to guide us. God, we thank you for the wisdom that you're willing to give us when we ask. We're just so grateful to have a God like you. We thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. And we pray that you would continue to lead us into holiness, continue to sanctify us, Lord, so that not only can we get closer to you and know you, 
but so that we can be welcomed in your kingdom and hear that well done. So God, we ask that you would just continue to grow us as your servants and be with us through these hard times in this world. But we look forward to you and your great coming. So we ask that you would continue to guide us and be with us, and we love you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for joining. Be sure to be here next week.